Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energize. Ross, introduce the guest, man. We've got the bar still repping, Fight Island flying, UFC Apex attending, son of a gun, that is Mr. Robbie Fox. Robbie, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. How are you? Doing no, great, no Robbie. Worries, man. We're happy to have you. Great. That was great a great intro. Another one of our. Yeah, that was well, a great intro. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, may, I may or may not have ripped off the nature boy Ric Flair, but you know, it's, since you're an avid WWE fan, Robbie, I, I have to do it just for you. Yeah, for for people who aren't aware of Ro- uh, Robbie, like he's doing amazing stuff for Barcelona Sports, an avid wrestling fan, avid MMA fan, and today we just thought we'd get Robbie on, just do a bit of a collab, go over everything, how Robbie got into Barcelona Sports, everything about Barcelona Sports, the UFC, MMA, just the general crack. So if you are new to the show, make sure to like and subscribe. Ross, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, Robbie, um, first of all, tell us, how did working for Barstool Sports come about? Because it's such a big organization, uh, and it's actually like broken over into Europe as well, with the likes of Troops now from, our, or from AFTV, now uh, representing over there. He is like bona fide insanity, but uh, it's great to see. He's the man. Troops is the friggin' best. We just did rough and rowdy with him, and it was the, his first time, like sort of on the call. He was he was absolutely hysterical. But I have sort of a unique story getting into barstool. I got super uh, into barstool when I was like a teenager. I was introduced to the website by my older cousins, my much older cousins, who probably shouldn't have introduced me to the website at this point. But I was like twelve years old, so I was like, this is so funny. I saw like Dave and Big Cat KFC. They really only had like a dozen employees, maybe. And they were all spread out around America. Like they weren't bought by any big company. They all worked from home, except Dave, who worked in like this really crappy office in Boston. And I just started emailing them and being like, I would love to work for you guys. Like from the time I was 13, and I was like, I would send them t-shirt designs. I would send them sample blogs. I would send them uh, sample podcasts. I would send them like whatever I could think of to get my foot in the door. Cause I looked at them as like, it looked like everyone was just getting paid to be friends. It was like, they yeah. were like friend or, or like frenemies at least because some, some of the people obviously have rivalries within Barstool, but it's all like fun and games at the end of the day. And I got my first email back from big cat when I was 14. And he was like, dude, you're 14. We can't hire you. Uh, like, Thanks though. And I just kept sending stuff. So like even in high school, eventually some of my stuff got through. Dave used one of my shirt designs. He sent me a check. I remember like when I was a junior in high school for a couple hundred bucks for a shirt design. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even want to cash this because he signed it, but I have to, because I, I would need the gas money, you know? Um, and eventually they got bought by the churning company or bought out by the churning company yeah. where they moved to New York. The whole company moved to New York, which was perfect for me. Yeah. Cause I grew up 14 miles outside the city. And that so was, was a massive. Like, oh my God. Well. That was massive Absolutely. Deal. Yes. So I was like, Oh my God, they're going to be moving to a big place. They're going to be moving to a big office. They're definitely going to need interns. Maybe this is my foot in the door. So I emailed everyone and eventually the golf guy Riggs wrote back and was like, Hey, I need an intern. And I had in my resume, like some podcasting experience because I had been emailing Barstool and just doing my sample podcast for so many years that I had eventually learned how to edit. And he was like, we're doing a golf podcast. Like, can you come in and do the the edits for that? I was like, absolutely. No doubt about it. So as the intern for like golf, world news, politics, everything I don't know anything about. Um, And all the golf fans always get so angry at me because the first golf course I ever stepped foot on was where they play the masters at Augusta. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've seen this video. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the first, I was like, I mean, this is amazing. This is what golf is like. And they're like, no, this is not what golf is like. This is what heaven is like. Um, 
but yeah and eventually i just started like trying to kind of weasel my way into writing i'd be like hey nobody was writing about mma at the time on the site it was still a very small company i think when i started there was like 26 employees total and now barstool's to the point where i think we have over 200 um but it, it was just like i don't know can i write one blog a day can i write maybe two blogs a day and then it, it kept going from there i made a couple videos and that caught the eye of dave as I was like an intern, he's like, who's this intern making MMA videos where he's getting beat up over here, uh, super kicked in at wrestling shows and whatnot. And he told me, he's like, let's take you off the foreplay podcast and let's just put you on your own content thing. See how you do MMA wrestling, whatever you want to cover. And that's kind of how that all started. That was almost four years ago. Now I started over four years ago, but, uh, the full-time thing will be four years ago. I think this month. There's a Ross, there's a lot of things to like dissect there. Especially, uh, uh, Robbie, could you just time frame from, say, you're around, sorry, 14 until you eventually got, got in the door with the golf stuff? Like, what was oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, year, the year's time span between that, those two? So I think the first actual, like, uh, application I sent, I was 13. And I got my foot in the door when I was 18. I was in college. I had just graduated high school. I didn't want to go to college. I knew, like, I was just school was never, like, something that... Uh, was good for me like such an anxious kid in school such a they call it a what a bad test taker I wasn't you know I wasn't yeah. the smartest at algebra and geometry and and sciences so I'm you're preaching like, to the choir here like I was like man am I gonna go to college right now like I, all I wanted to do was uh, go to go to community college for long enough to where I could get my foot in the door at Barstool and that luckily happened right after my first semester. Like actually in my first semester, I got the internship. And then like, as soon as my second semester started, I got the full-time offer. And I remember I was in a, so I was 18 years old at that point. And I was in my CEO's office, Erica Nardini, and she made me the offer. It was like the greatest feeling in the world, right? I've been applying for five years at this point, like yeah. week, weekly for five years. Um, <laughs> and getting so many emails back just for where like they're like they're like oh my god this kid's so annoying the first time i met dave i was like hi nice to meet you i'm robbie and he's like fucking robbie fox he's like Are you, did we hire you he's like you've been emailing me for so long jesus christ he was like you have the worst he said you have the worst shirt designs i've ever seen i was like oh, but i made my made it in um but it was like i got the offer I left her office. I dropped out of college. And then I called my mom. And I was like, I have great news for you. And I have news that is great for me. And that you're not going to be the happiest about, but I am hired full-time at Barstool. And I already dropped out of college. She was like, Oh my God, you're going to like continue with online school. Right. Because Barstool at that point still like four years ago, even wasn't as big as it is now. Yeah. And I think there was like part of her that was still like, Oh my God, like my, what is my son doing? He's getting beat up by MMA fighters over here. Um, and now she loves it. Like by the, to the point where when I almost got arrested outside the Conor McGregor protest, she just texted me great content. Like she's all in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get into that, Robbie. Ross, what you make of five years of just growing and making sure, like just not giving up and then eventually getting your dream job? Well, I suppose sometimes when you're, you are chasing your dream, you know what I mean? You can't give up on it and you have to be persistent. And I think two things that are key to anyone being successful in life are, persistence and passion um robbie has both those in abundance which is evident from the story you just told so i think you know when you put those two things into perspective you know he was never going to give up you know what i mean he was going to camp outside barstool sports before, before they, went. They, gave, they gave him a t-shirt and went come on in you're one of us you know so uh look absolutely incredible story um like uh, what age are you now by the way robbie i'm 22 turned 22 this summer 
unbelievable. Like I could definitely see you having like such a massive successful career. Just, you know, you've already had a successful career compared to some people who are in the game, probably 30 or 40 years longer than you. But <laughs> I, 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 can, I can just see going from, you know, strength to strength because at the end of the day, you do have that passion. And I think now that you've already got the job, your passion's undeniable, and I think that's something that is we greatly admire anyway, and that's why we wanted to have you on because we're like that guy. Just like he just gives it socks every time we see him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That's very kind of you. And I always like say, and people at Barstool actually say, like, um, like say what you will about Robbie Fox, you could watch his friggin' fight reactions and be like, look at this fucking twerp that they got covering the fights. What in the world is going on? You could watch his nerdy reactions, me ball into the end of Avengers Endgame. And they like, say what you will about him. He's got passion. He's unabashedly himself. And that's like, I think like pretty much the key to my success at Barstool has been just like being pretty genuine about it, being, you know, I'm never trying to be like, oh yeah, I'm an MMA analyst. I've fucking trained and I've got this, uh, I've got a blue belt in jujitsu and I've, I've tapped out black belt. I'm like, no, I don't know anything about the intricacies of it. I'll interview everyone about it. I'll try to get the intel from them. I'll try to dumb it down to the people that I want to get into the sport. That's who I'm mostly writing for and mostly doing my videos for the people that are like, what is this crazy like MMA guy doing? And maybe they watch the pay-per-view because of that. And then maybe they're like, oh my God, this is awesome. And then boom, we got a guy reading blogs, every or guy or girl reading blogs every single day because now they're at the MMA. Um, those are the people I want to get. So I'm always just pretty genuine about it. I'm like, oh, I'm a big fan. I don't know much about what I'm talking about. I think that comes through in my Dana White interviews too. I feel like I ask the questions that like the fans want, which pisses off some of the media because they're like, ask him about fight or pay, ask him about this, ask him about that. But I always look at it like uh, I've described my interviews more as like late night talk show than they are journalistic. You know, I'm looking for laughs more than anything. And, yeah. and that that's what I mean by that. Yeah, no, just the passion you do, like you exude on camera is unreal. And then like the platform you're on now, Barstool, is just taking you to another level, having the inside access, like going into the war room with Dana White. Like that's something me and Ross like, would love to do amongst nearly every fighter. Look at the board, who's fighting next, tell the lads. But like, yeah. Uh, like one person I have to, we have to just talk about is Dan Portnoy, what he's doing. First of all, what he's doing right now for um, independent businesses. Uh, do you want to just explain to the people who like follow our stuff and aren't really aware of Dave, what he's doing for independent businesses in America? Yeah. So this all started with obviously the shutdowns in uh, America due to COVID are pretty harsh, especially on like the, the coast LA and New York city restaurants are just getting crushed. Like businesses are going under because they put the restrictions on, they'll say no dining at all. Then they'll do the 25%. Then they'll do um, only outdoor dining. If you build a structure for outdoor, basically just businesses are, are getting crushed left and right. And Dave made a video kind of calling out, I guess, the people that are making these laws that are making these restaurants go under these small businesses because they've built Barstool from the ground up. You know, the know. newspaper originally, he, he's handed it out. You could check out, I think there's the documentaries on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty brilliant. well done. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's short too. The episodes are like 10, 20 minutes. So you get the story pretty quickly. And he has that passion for small businesses still, like very much still truly. So he said, you know, what are you doing? You got to keep these open. And I think like a multi-billionaire, a multi-millionaire said, Hey, put your money where your mouth is. Let's start a fund. You put 500,000 in, I'll put 500,000 in. And Dave said, let's do it. I'll start the barstool fund, put $500,000 of his own money in right away. Um, immediately the first restaurant that he decided we're going to help 
was Borelli's, which is if you watch his pizza reviews, he always says, all right, Frankie, the cameraman, Frankie, has a restaurant, a pizza restaurant that has, has been in his family for I, I don't, three, four generations. I feel like it's been there since, uh, you know, they had the Islanders Stanley Cup parades in the 80s and they have the pictures of people holding the signs on the roof of it. It's like an iconic Long Island restaurant. There's a great video of his dad reacting to like Dave basically making the phone for him to make sure, hey, we're going to save this restaurant. And, you know, it, it's, it's emotional and you could feel the passion. And now it's gained so much traction that there's over $30 million in the fund. We've helped, I think, over 200 small businesses. And if you go on his Twitter, the Barstool Twitter tweets him out all the time. I retweet him all the time. He will FaceTime the people uh, that own the small businesses to let them know the news. And these videos are like in a world where, you know, Twitter is always hostile and politics are running rampant left and right. They're the most feel good videos every time. Like I get emotional every time I watch people, you know, crying, being like, Oh my God, we were going to close next month. And now you saved us. And the way the Barstool fund works is as long as the money is in the fund, which we have $30 million. Now the money is, you know, there every month that, the restaurants are still shut down due to COVID and the restrictions are still up and they're struggling. Barstool is going to check in and give them the money they need to keep paying their staff, keep the, the payroll going until the COVID restrictions are done. So it is honestly like the coolest thing in my four years at Barstool I've ever seen the company do in my 10 years of being a fan of Barstool that I've ever seen the company do. And just that like Every single day, these videos are coming out still like 10 videos a day. It's crazy. And every single one hits every single one. I'm like, damn, I'm proud to be part of this company. That's unbelievable. And it's great to see, you know, well, first of all, it's an unbelievable PR stunt, but it's not a PR stunt. Like you can actually see the passion that Dave has that like he wants to help Um, helping people at times like this are what really make businesses and brands who they are and it, show, and it really shows their true colors and Barstool Sports true colors and absolutely incredible and the amount of people he's keeping in work is probably in the thousands really you know yeah. what I mean and yeah those New Yorkers need to eat you know what I mean and you know you don't want to lose those top quality restaurants so it, exactly. it is very very important I mean where's Robbie going to get his pizza from if all the pizza places are closed down <laughs> I know you Domino's get out of here no way <laughs> Robbie like when you look at Dave and like how he's like he, he's like his inner core has come across as if it stayed the same, but his passion has gotten bigger and bigger, and nothing is too small. It's all it's very like it's almost as if he's looking in the mirror at Dana White. Like they're very it could be a Boston thing. I don't know. It's very very similar things. But like working with Dave and like knowing Dave, what about him is it that just like lights the fire in his stomach? Because he can retire like what he's doing now with them. Um, Sorry, excuse me, your man from TikTok, Josh Richards, he's doing a podcast there. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the reviews, the way he, like, he's so diverse. Obviously, he originally started on newspaper, but now he's going into TikTok and podcasts and no stone is left unturned. Like, and he can retire now. Like, what is it about Dave that keeps him going? And what a man. It's, it's an interesting question. It's a great question. I think it's a few things. I think one is work ethic is just insane. I think when you start, something as a newspaper and you build it up to the point where like you're ringing the stock bell at the stock exchange and you're in a publicly traded company and you're on radio going, I have unlimited money. He always loves to say that line. He goes, I have unlimited money. Like I can't spend the money that I have. Um, When you go from that level, you got to have a certain level of like just drive that can't go away. You know what I mean? It's almost like to make an MMA comparison, like Conor McGregor fighting Dustin Poirier is like, 
the hell would he fight one of the best in the world? He could just go chill on that yacht forever, but he still loves the game. I think Dave still loves the game. I think the pen deal that happened. So we got bought by churning. Like that was like four years ago. That was when, before I even joined. And then recently pen like acquired invested in the company and and made it way, way, way bigger. And that is a gambling company. So Barstool leaned into the gambling content as being legalized across America And that was big for Dave as well, because he's such a gambler at heart and being able to like actually finally be able to make content talking about this is the line that I bet on. This is what I did. And having the opportunity, I think, even to make those around him like share as much of the success as he's got. He's got such loyalty to those around him. Like he really like in 20 years, I was going to say 15, but now it's like 20 years has barely fired like anybody the people that were with the company in the beginning are still with the company today and the people that did get fired like you kind of look at all the examples and you're like all right that was like a situation that was this but i can count on one hand how many in 20 years so it's like i think there's an aspect and this is me speculating but i think there's an aspect of him having loyalty to to those around him being like damn i have unlimited money now let me make these people millionaires even he's even said like after the pen deal he wanted to make sure that all of the people that were originally in the office with him in boston became millionaires which pretty cool boss thing to do for you (laughs) yeah Yeah, absolutely he seems like a guy who like wakes up at six o'clock in the morning and then goes to bed at 12 o'clock that night like yeah i feel like yeah sleep a lot Um, right now especially like i was with him uh rough and rowdy just this past weekend and he's still like he's calling all of these businesses every day like i said like maybe eight businesses a day so he's making the videos for them he's still blogging he's still doing the piece reviews he really is like uh what do they call the, the hardest working man in show business is either him or Frank the tank who Frank the tank did uh, uh raw dog and hot dog review after rough and rowdy. It was, it was tremendous. One in the morning, he went to sheets to do it. And it was like a gas station hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's where you get the best ones. But yeah. like, but like the, th- the thing is with Dave, like, like he's after creating something that's so unbelievable that, um, it's going obviously around the world. Like, uh, myself and Ross here, we, we originally started doing like, um, uh, radio course together just as a duo and we wanted to get on radio and this is even before, like no one was even we weren't even doing instagram and then also we move on to instagram we're like here do you know what we don't want to talk about kim kardashian we don't want to talk about that sort of uh, entertainment world we want to just get into like the, the sports and the crack and then especially mma is blown up here and like like we both have ambitions for it to be like the biggest in ireland let alone let's see how we get on the rest of the world but like uh, conquer your own country first and then let's see what happens with the rest but like that passion that Dave shares, it's a, it's a, it goes to show that like anything can be built online if you put hard work and passion into it. And that's what a load of fighters these days, you know, yourself are trying to build up their uh, their brands, but they have to get themselves out there. Numerous ones starting podcasts as well. Absolutely. Like persistence too. Like that's the, that's the key is just, and uh, I learned like looking back, I'm like, I think I was probably persistent in the annoying way, not the uh, <laughs> like hardworking way, but I was still sending like examples. Like I see, all the time people will send like, uh, what, what, what can I do to work for Barstool? And it's like, I tell them all the time. It's like, act like you're working for Barstool already. Don't say like, I work for Barstool. Come into the border of me. Yeah, Hey, Dave. But just like the, the internet is out there. So it's like, you have pretty much all the same stuff that we have. Not that maybe not, you can't get credentialed for something, but most of the best Barstool videos are just like stuff we filmed on the street. Like the Conor McGregor protest video. We didn't need any sort of special capabilities to do that. You could have filmed that with an iPhone. It was just the, the fact that it happened was like something funny. So I used to 
tell people like the internet's out there, start a podcast. I say to everyone should start a podcast. Even if you're like, even if you don't put it out, even if you, it's like a creed thoughts from the office where it's like, you're typing into Microsoft word and you never press publish. I just think it's cool to look back like five years after you do an episode with one of your buddies and you're like, that's like a funny conversation. Me and one of my friends had five years ago. You could show to like someone 20 years down the line and laugh at the stupid jokes you made back then. I, I, and podcasting, like I've been literally podcasting since I was 12, which what a weird Gen Z thing to say, Definitely but not. it's like some of them, like most fun I've ever had. Some of the best laughs I've ever had. Like, Oh my God, I, I, you know, would never stop. Yeah. Ross, like you we've been doing this like for about four or five years and about for about three of them years we didn't know what we were doing but we were doing something but like it's brought us everywhere else doesn't it like yeah it really really has like we've been over to like i, I suppose uh new york was absolutely crazy we went over to ufc 217 robbie and like uh, oh i was there oh were you yeah uh, you, you probably saw us we were we we're probably the crazy irish guys um <laughs> but like I, 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 I won a competition and like we met like your ifa where demetrius johnson Joseph Benavidez, Boris Griffin, Bruce Buffer, Daniel Cormier, Chris Boyd, and Robert Whitaker. We met all these guys on the purple carpet because it was um it was oh is it Metro PCS? Yeah, Metro PCS, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Bruce Buffer announced me on stage and everything. And then like we had these unbelievable seats that like uh we were at the fighter walkout as well. And then afterwards, like we got voted to TJ Dillashaw's after party. It was just like an absolute wild weekend. What we, a whirlwind! Still, yeah, we still don't know how we got away with it to this day. So what we did, and on top of that, you know, if, you, if we always say, if, if you ask us going over on the plane, like what's the best case scenario? That would never have been said. Never in a million years. I, I mean, even the the card itself, getting the three yeah. title fights, the three insane finishes, that pop for the Joanna mm. like surprise, and then people going nuts for GSP choking Bisping out. That was incredible. I went with Trent, my roommate, actually, mm. um, and that was like through. I think it was like another thing where I felt just as lucky. It was through like a barstool ad deal where they were like, "Hey, you gotta tweet a couple times for I think it was Reebok from the event. Here's tickets." <laughs> like, huh. Oh my God, this is the greatest thing of all time. And then we got to watch that card. So it was like, I'll never forget. I'll never forget either. There was a, a woman sitting next to me. Like we were pretty low, like on the floor. Um, and there was a woman sitting next to me that didn't stand up for the whole card. She was probably 70 years old. I was like, whose grandma is this? Literally, she's got to be one of the fighters' grandmas. When GSP won the fight, she was jumping higher than I could have ever jumped. It was crazy. She was maybe like just GSP's biggest fan. GSP Soypiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually sitting beside um, this, this Polish couple. And yeah. I, I, I actually remember because I think Barry was like rubbing vapes off your mouth. Pre COVID. Pre COVID. Yeah. I don't of remember. Course, of course. I don't remember sitting there and I was like, I was like, these are the no- nicest $13 beers I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> and uh, I remember Johan lost and I was like, no way. And only like, afterwards because you obviously watch most of my home we, we didn't realize like people were like that was the best card ever and i was like geez that card was brilliant but because you're there for it and you're in the moment you don't actually realize the reaction to people at home because yeah. you're living it and that's one thing that i think at you a live usc event you're like that was incredible but then when you hear what people are saying at home you're like jesus so i just witnessed like the greatest card of all time and there was, was definitely three, up there three on news yeah yeah Unbelievable, man. And three finishes, too. Mm. It wasn't, like, no boring fights. It was it, no was, cra- it was crazy. But I'm like, like, the, uh, uh, it's crazy because we had uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on the podcast live before. 
And we're like, and Baz's like, yeah, and we saw you. And I was like, fuck, we actually did. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, 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 it's crazy because that car was stacked. Yeah. There's plenty more to come though, lads. But yeah. like, Robbie, you've obviously mentioned a couple of times the, the, the videos that went viral when you were like saying free Conor McGregor. For anyone who hasn't seen this, I don't know where you've been living. I'm sure you have seen it. Can you sort of, can you sort of tell us about that video? and Because you've done it a couple of times now, haven't you? There was a bit... Uh, yeah, there, so it was, a, it was a trilogy I did. There I did, go, like, okay. you know, as an homage to Star Wars, I, I made it a trilogy. Um, no, I did. So the first protest was after he threw the dolly at Khabib's bus in yeah. Brooklyn. He had to come back to Brooklyn to go to court there because he got charged of whatever, assault, whatever it might have been. And... I found out about that like a week before it was like very recent. I was like, I was like, is he really going to be in, in Brooklyn? He's going to come to Brooklyn. Like he has to be there in person. And I looked into it and people were like, yep, there might be reporters outside or something. So I, I was expecting it to be a mob scene. Like I've seen like on TV, when you see like a big murder trial, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to look like that, like everyone there, but I showed up. It was like the night before I made signs that said free Connor. And I, I texted a few cameramen at Barstool. I was like, I think it would be funny if we showed up and protested. It was kind of ripping <laughs> off an old barstool idea, actually, because like Dave and Dave Feidelberg, Gaz and Hank protested when Tom Brady got Tom Brady from the in. NFL. Exactly. The yeah. OK. Yeah. But that's what I thought of. And I was like, they protested the NFL. What if I protested like on they on behalf of uh, Tom Brady? I protested on behalf of Conor McGregor. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, we're doing like a little new new school generation thing. And then I showed up and like, I was the only Conor McGregor fan there, really. It was just a few media members. It was way less people than I thought. So I was able to make way much more noise than I thought. Yeah. And I just started screaming the most ridiculous shit you could imagine. I was like, you know, the, the bus driver was asking Conor to throw the dolly up to him. And he <laughs> wanted him to hand it to him. I said it was CGI. I said, I haven't seen the footage that suggests that. Uh, Conor McGregor wasn't a deep fake in that video and it wasn't done by Khabib <laughs> and now I start saying all this and I'm just like I'm thinking of the most ridiculous stuff I can imagine yeah. and the reporters are writing it down and we look later that day it's in like RT Sports like one McGregor yeah. fan says a bus driver actually asked for the dolly and all all charges should be pressed onto him and they wrote it so seriously it was so funny to read <laughs> I, like I, think in, that, I think that's the first print. time I ever saw you I think that was it was, we, we, oh, we, we it talked was about that we were like this guy is a legend right? yeah, yeah so I, I met him on and the first one too because his lawyer came out and he like led me to the bail bonds place to meet him and then the second time he had to go back and that's the time that I almost got arrested because I brought the bullhorn they like apprehended me and then gave me a ticket and then the third one was uh, my own court date where I had to go to court for getting thrown into court for protesting the court date where we also in the third one had Za come to protest my court date. And when's his court date? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He never got one. He got away with it. Back. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't enough media there for uh, the Robbie Fox court. Date. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that's just a, the intuition to go and like uh, do something that out, out of the ordinary and for the pop it's, uh, it's so creative like you're actually in the perfect like world working with Barstool with so much creative people to be like maybe this maybe that maybe that because like myself and Ross we only really sort of bounce ideas off each other and then try and grow from there whereas you have a whole team it's unbelievable but like, oh, like it's like a writer's room like we we have yeah. talked about it in that way like if you ever have a funny idea you could bounce it off like some of the funniest people that I've ever met in my life. Like, and I could just text them like that. It's like big cat Roan PFT. What do you think? Oh my God. Like that, you know, sounding board is all you could ask for. It's almost like the modern day Saturday night live cast, like something like that. 
That's what Dave was. said his dream was when uh No when, way. Oh, I swear uh, to God, I just said that randomly like, Originally yeah. when the when the churnin deal happened. So that was like before I even joined, he said, I am going to turn Barstool, this tiny company, this tiny blog into the modern day SNL where these all the personalities you're gonna look at as like cast members. That was his goal. He's you doing a, he's doing a bloody good job. One thing I will say is like Ireland is actually screaming out for something like that. It really, yeah. really is. Like there's there's nothing for like males between like 18 and 35 to be like that's my that's my shit you know what I mean yeah there, there isn't like all the shows over here are so bad and it's like it was actually <laughs> you actually just mentioned RT like we actually pay like the general public pays for RT as part of our taxes and like some of those guys are on like blockbuster wages now it might not seem like a lot to you but like some of those presenters are on like 450,000 euros a year and like they host one show on Friday night and maybe a radio show and it's so generically bad it's frightening by the way that does sound like a lot to me do you see the shoebox that is my room like what do you think i'm, I'm yeah, a you're rich guy the, over you're, here you're <laughs> like, well, I'm, you're, I'm, more, I'm more thinking like jay leno or uh you know oh yeah 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 robbie you're in the ballpark and you're you're only just getting warmed up you know you've you've so much time left in this game you know think about what the ufc and the ma will be in 10 years time like it'll be on the moon at this rate, so, yeah. still involved. But like, uh, yeah, no. As we were saying there, myself and Ross, like, we're trying to cover that niche that, like, that that Irish market of like uh, people our age are, are like asking for, and mm. like uh, we're trying to get as big as possible. Like, obviously, for like provide for our families later on. Like, but this is what happens. You just do a weekly grind. You don't know how it is. But like, obviously, Conor McGregor, the biggest sports star in MMA right now. Uh, when did you first see him? Because now you're like interviewing him on Fight on and stuff. And by the way, because we're a good bit into the show, if you are new, like and subscribe because Robbie was meant to come on the show fight week, bros. We had this huge UFC yes. 57 fight week. Robbie didn't show up. He texted us once we were done. He was like, lads, I was asleep. And you're like, you know what? It was, it was like it was like you know uh, in wrestling when uh, <laughs> what's it called when when the champion is partnered with the number one contender and they're in a tag team match maybe against the tag champs. Uh, you know, the champion comes down to the ring first and then the uh, number one contender's music hits and he never oh. shows up. <laughs> oh, man. That's the, it's like the week before WrestleMania always. Yeah. It's like before the end, it's like, oh, man, he didn't show up. Now they got to fight. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Abu Dhabi, I'll tell you what, going to Fight Island, the, the 15, 16, 18-hour flight over there, whatever, and then being nine hours ahead and trying to stay in East Coast Standard Time because that's when the Conor McGregor fight would happen. But events later in the week happening – or even earlier in the week happening, like in normal time, it sent me for a loop. Even a week, I'd never got jet lag before in my entire life, flown a decent amount, never got jet lag. I was like, I think jet lag's a myth. Oh my God, the week after I flew back from Abu Dhabi, I was a zombie. I was like a walking corpse. I actually said to Barry, but we didn't hear from you, I go, he's probably asleep. Like, uh, probably <laughs> see is like, uh, I said it to him, but uh, yeah, what's called, Tell us, when was the first time you laid eyes on Mystic Mac? So, as a fan, the first time I ever saw Conor was his entry to the UFC. I knew him, well, I guess a little bit before that, but when it was when he signed to the UFC. There was a little bit of buzz about him. Well, that's what everyone says now. They all pretend they knew him before the UFC. I did not. No, I everyone was at their de- not. debut, Ross. Everyone was at his amateur debut. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't see the amateur debut. It was it was when when the UFC signed him and there was buzz about like the UFC just signed this loudmouth Conor McGregor from Ireland. Um, so I check him out. I watch a few of his interviews. I watch a few of his knockouts. I'm like, cool. I watch a few of his fights. And the, the UFC debut, I was like, amazing. 
Next fight, amazing. And when it got to the Poirier fight, I was like, man, this guy seems like the real deal. He's trash talking like a WWE wrestler. That was like my main appeal at first. I was like, man, he's he, he's like a heel right now. This is amazing. He was wearing the suits. And I was like, I remember being reminded of Chris Jericho when he started coming out in the suits mm. with the short hair. I was like, this guy is just like, he talks the shit and then he just backs it up. He goes and he does exactly what he says he's going to do. So the night of the Poirier fight, I was like, if he does this, he's my guy. He's just my guy from here on out. He gets done. Obviously, I went. I bought the uh, the shirt he wore in, in the octagon that night. It was like the playing card where he was the you know dethroned fighting yeah, Irish guy. That dethroned gear was quality, wasn't it? it was oh, su- such a great shirt! And how about this story for you? The morning of UFC 257, I go to the W Hotel, which is the fighter hotel, not where we were staying, to interview Matt Frivola, who was like a stoolie, big barstool fan. I had never Rola. interviewed him exactly so i go over he says come up by the pool it'll be like a fun backdrop i said perfect go over two seconds after i get there all connor's bodyguards walk up and we're the only ones by the pool at this point really and then connor d and the kids walk up they walk right over to us i'm wearing the shirt that we're talking about right now the d throat shirt because i was like it's fucking fight morning i was getting excited about it right but now connor walks up i'm like oh i feel like such a mark i wish i was like, trying, <laughs> trying to hide it you know you jump into the pool <laughs> and it was the first thing he said to me he walked over and he's like what's up robbie this is like the day after i got to interview him and he's like what's up robbie and he, he goes oh you got the old school shirt and he was like oh he's like d and he's like you know i was too young in the game to sign away that logo i don't know what i was thinking he's like i should get that back one day and uh, he's in, then he like went into morning meditation and I just got out while I was ahead. I was like, that was a good interaction with the champ champ. He knows I'm not a lunatic now. I'm getting out. I'm not even saying goodbye. It must be so hard not to linger around him as well. Just it, 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 it was more. a little bit. I prob- when he started meditating, I think I lingered for about 30 seconds and was just like, oh yeah, he looked ready for that fight. And then I was like, all right, this is creepy. Kids are right there. I'm leaving. <laughs> you, just, you stand around them and you feel richer. But uh, yeah. Robbie, this almost like transitions into a perfect question from Craig Strain 19. What does Robbie think is next for Connor? And does he see him as a lightweight champ again? Shout out for the question, Craig. So if you, if you asked me that question right after the fight, I might've said, I, th- I think Nate Diaz is next for Connor. And I don't know if he's ever the lightweight champ again. But I've watched the fight back a few times. I've marinated on my thoughts. I've re, uh, redialed my brain into being a McGregor super fan to the point where I'm saying, <laughs> listen, if Khabib is retired, if he's really done, if, if we've really seen the last of Khabib, that makes Dustin Poirier the best 155er in the world right now, right? Like, without question, I would say, after the run he's yeah. been on. McGregor looked damn good against him. So if he could just, you know do away with those leg kicks. If he could figure out a way to neutralize those in the next fight. Yeah. He could definitely be the lightweight champ again. So I'm going to say what's next for McGregor. It might be the trilogy with Poirier because now he's saying, you know, we've heard Kavanaugh say he's already obsessing over it. Kind of like he did the Diaz fight. He's harassing people. He wants the rematch. Poirier has said it's one of the only fights that interests him. He wants a big payday. It just did 1.6 million buys for the UFC. So it makes sense for Connor. It makes sense for Poirier. It makes sense for the UFC. The question is like, do you want to do that right now? Do they want to risk Connor losing? Because man, if he loses twice to Poirier, twice in a row, in the casual public size, like to MMA fans, we'll be like, okay, he just lost to the fucking best in the world twice. He might be done in the eyes of a lot of casual fans. They might view him as like a Ronda Rousey after Amanda Nunez situation, which I don't think would be the case. I think Connor could still hang around and fight Ally Quinta for all I care, and we'll do the whole build up like it was Cowboy, and that'll be exactly, fun, man. Exactly. But 
uh, you know, it's, it's just a matter of like what the UFC wants to do, whether or not they want to risk the public looking at him as like a, a, a washed up has been when really he's just slightly losing to the best in the world after almost knocking them out. <laughs> Robbie, I have one massive question for you, which I'm actually dying to know, right? You're probably one of maybe 50 people, if not less, who are non-UFC fighters who have been to the apex and to fight islands during these during the pandemic what's the difference between the two and then which do you actually prefer that's a great question so the difference between the two right away is the apex the covid precautions are there in my opinion they were like safe the lockdowns were as strict but they weren't as um like gruesome to go through because when you're on the other side of the world and me, the first, that was the first time I ever was out of America. So I just wasn't used to this. The TV had like eight channels. None of them were in English. The Wi-Fi in the hotel was not very good. And a lot of the internet was banned over in Abu Dhabi. So a lot of it was just me like staring at a wall. Like the Fight Island experience was just like staring at a wall, looking out the window. And I was on that weird sleep schedule. So it was always night when I was looking out the window. It's nothing interesting to see. I was outside the week I was on Fight Island for less than five minutes total. Like we, we just weren't outside. It was crazy. The event itself was way cooler than it was in the apex. Cause you have even the 2000 fans in the 18 seat, 18,000 seat arena were cooler than like the, I don't know, 12 people that are in the apex. That's cool in a fight club way, especially for like the main event. The rest of the card just didn't feel real. It felt like I was at a high school wrestling meet or like an exhibition of some sort. It was just kind of strange in the apex in Eddie hot arena. I mean, that was, that was like, by the time Connor walked out and the crowd was chanting the Olays and waiting for Dustin to walk out. I felt like it was a Connor McGregor fight. The energy was actually there. I will say the Wednesday card, the uh, who was it? Uh, Michael Chiesa and Jeff Neal. Magny. Magny. Uh, Magny. 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 Neil Magny. I always Neil Magny. Jeff Neal. It's like the tongue twister. Um, during that card, someone dropped a plate or some kind of silverware in one of the suites, and all the way down by the octagon, we heard it. So like, <laughs> there was a weird dynamic in that point where you're like, huh? We someone just dropped a plate ten stories up, and we heard it. But for the Connor fight, the energy was there. So I would say I prefer. Um, the apex experience, especially because as a big fan of marijuana, that's legal in Las Vegas and it's highly, highly illegal in Abu Dhabi. So I didn't have any of that over there. Um, I prefer that outside experience. The event experience gets way cooler in Abu Dhabi. You know what? That actually makes sense. Well, first of all, I don't know why, but like I always felt if we went to Fight Island. I don't know why we'd be, I'd be like, we'd be staying in the W as well, even though you, you don't. And then also, I kind of thought that too. You don't. The hotel's not bad that you stay in, though. It's actually pretty nice. So, sorry, and when that's, you watch it on TV, I always feel like, what? No, no. Yeah, oh, there's, no a sorry, there's a bigger fight feel in Fight Island. That's yeah, all I was going to say. There's a bigger cage, fight feel on Fight Island. The cage sizes as well. Wouldn't have been smaller. Yeah. In the apex oh yeah, yeah. You got the small, uh, smaller cage in the apex. Yeah. Yeah, but like, okay, Robbie. Like, obviously, you got to get like get both experiences in, and you're gonna get many, many more. Well, like, how does it feel to be like uh, on first name basis with Dana White, who's just doing amazing things these days? That like, that's like some fake life stuff. That doesn't even like. I still like. I posted an Instagram story the other day, and I called. Uh, 
what did I what did I say? It was a red red hot chili peppers album. And I was like, this is one of the greatest albums of all time. And Dana just did the reaction thing and he put a hundred. I was just like, what? He's reading my Instagram story. He's like, that's the craziest stuff in the world. Like I'm a, like I said, I'm an MMA fan. I don't pretend to be anything else. So the fact that Dana White is like helping me out, he helped me get that Connor interview. He was like, let me put in a good word. Like, let me see if Connor has a few extra minutes. Like the fact that he's actually helping out in that way, the fact that he gives me the time that he gives me and honestly, like the respect that he gives me at this point, I feel like he understands that I'm not ever going to try to be the gotcha journalist that's trying to, you know, get a big hit piece quote out of him so he i think gives me more access maybe the office stuff where he like you guys said like he let me into the office the war room stuff he gave me a tour of the apex later on this summer that stuff is like i think there's just like a respect he has for the the level of passion i have for the sport too is when i talk to him about it even when the cameras are off he, he'll be like what do you think about the main event next week and I'll tell him exactly what I think. Oh my God, I think this guy's going to fuck this guy up. And he'll either be like, yeah, you were wrong about the last 17 you told me. Or he'll be like, oh yeah, I'm excited. You're excited. Let me know what you think afterwards. Like he actually, the comparison you made to Dave and Dana White, very accurate. I see similarities between them all the time because Dana White still has such a passion about like he wants his product to be good. He's still involved in the nitty gritty. Yeah. He's involved in the behind the scenes and he's sort of the public figure for the company as well. Like there's any, I mean, his relationship with the media, does, you know, you don't even have to say anything there. Dave and him, very similar in that, right? So the that's a perfect comparison. I always say, and they get along as well. Like yeah. they they've obviously had a lot of interactions um, Dana White donated a hundred thousand dollars to the Barstool Fund, and that was that was a funny story as well. So when he put out, when Dana White put out the video calling out the media, which a lot of people were very upset about, remember when he like made them look like they were like the mafia mafioso bosses in a Godfather Godfather movie. Yeah, I remember that. Um, when he put that out, I sent it to Dave, and this was in the early stages of the Barstool Fund when Dave was like calling out all of his rich friends to donate. And I said, you should recreate this video, but instead of calling out like media members, call out your rich friends that you want to donate to the Barstool Fund. And his response was just, why don't you call out Dana White? And he's just like, ah, you put me in that spot. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to do anything for the company, anything for the boss. And I tweeted at Dana White, uh, listen, I'm not rich, but I do have a rich uncle. Like we got the Barstool Fund going. I know you're a small business guy. What do you got? And he messaged me right away. Or Dave actually uh, quote tweeted it and he said, if you need me to help help break his leg to find his wallet, let me know, Robbie. And Dana <laughs> then responded to that and he said, tell tough guy Portnoy to relax and give me his number. I'm in. So I gave him Dave's number and he called Dave and he said, how much do you want? And Dave was like, oh, oh like, I, I, you know, whatever you can give us, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000. Dana was like 100,000 done on the spot. So he was like in like that. They have that same like respect for hey we built businesses from the ground up i think yeah i said it connects as well with the brady thing as well the brady thing the boston thing of course all the sports stuff like that's perfect and that's also i think people don't realize this part of my connection to dana is in the same way that dave and him have the boston sports stuff me and dana like a lot of the same music and that's a lot of what we talk about off camera like as soon as i show up he'll be like I was just listening to this Red Hot Chili Pepper song. I was just listening to this Rage Against the Machine album. Like, what do you think about it? And I'll say something about the bass line. And he'll be like, oh, shit, didn't notice that before. Or that's awesome. I was at a concert for this and they did that. Like, 
we like all the same music and that helps our relationship. I start a lot of my interviews with like little questions about the music just to make it more comfortable. <laughs> there you go. That, uh, that is unbelievable. Sorry, you guys. I don't know if you probably did notice my internet went there a second ago, but uh, <laughs> uh, like it's so crazy that you have almost instant access to one of the most powerful people in sports. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know what I do if I had Dana Boyd's phone. Pretty reckless. I don't. I don't abuse it. I don't. I. I definitely never really reach out. <laughs> yeah. No. Robbie. Like, obviously, you haven't haven't that, and then, uh, like, who knows what way the landscape's going to change over the next few years? I know they're they're opening stuff in Asia. Like, like who knows what the U.S. the, the U.C. is going to look like in the next year? Lads, yeah. just, just just a question. Like, how long? How much longer do you think Dana White's going to be around in the game? Well, how much longer was it or how, how long ago was it that he signed the, the WME deal at this point? Because he didn't he sign an extension? I think he actually signed an extension around the Masvidal Diaz fight. It was like a seven year extension or something. It was a long one. I think Dana White's going to be in the UFC for a long time. Wait, like, over past 2030? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So I think well. I think I think like 2035. I think he's almost a Vince McMahon type to make another wrestling comparison where like <laughs> he might be 70 years old calling fighters kids and like trash and performances on the contender series. Ross, what about you? How much longer do you think Dana's going to be uh, kicking ass, literally? <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, I think uh, 2030 is a good over under, um, to be honest. Uh, and I'd probably bet on the over as well. I think, you know, when you look at young stars coming through well maybe they're not actually that young in age but young in terms of where they're at in their career and uh, like israel adesanya like they're like he always says you know you might see the big stars leaving but he's always got the next ones lined up and i think as long as there's stars in the sport that interest him he'll hang around for it also he still owns a certain percentage with wme so yep. i think you know as long as he's still financially invested and emotionally invested i think he'll hang around and also he does such a good job. Whoever actually does take over from next is a poison chalice. I don't know if you watch um, soccer, Robbie, but like whoever was going to take over as manager for Manchester or some first from Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United was never going to go, do a good job. He was there for what was Baz 23 years, 24 years, 26. And the last, the next guy lasted 18 months. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, oh, not, an man. it's not an easy job to do. Yeah. Basically, Dana's job is not a one-person job once he steps out. Mm. Yeah. But Agreed. Lads, lads just because we're about to hit the error, right? I'm going to just name some of the upcoming title fights that are coming up over the next month or two and one non-title fight. And I just want to know what your predictions are for it, right? So uh, I'm going to ask Robbie first, right? This weekend's UFC 258 headliner for the world welterweight title, Kamara Usman against Gilbert Burns. Robbie, who do you have this weekend? I'm going to take Usman. I think at this point, you kind of have to be a fool to pick against him, or at least if I did pick against him and then he went out and put on a performance like he did against Woodley, where he just like grapples him into the cage and works him against the fence or any of that stuff, uh, I would feel like an idiot for picking against him. So I think you got to go Usman, but I love fights like this against teammates that have sparred a ton. As like the wrestling fan in me, I immediately play it up into like the edge Randy Orton. Like they know each other's best weaknesses. They know each other's <laughs> best strengths. You know, they're going to neutralize. And so like I, I get geeked out about fights like this. I'm very, very, very excited for this. This is like out of, I'm sure out of the eight fights you're going to give me, one of the ones I'm definitely most excited about is this one. Same here. Ross, what about this weekend? Who's Burns? 
I think it's about time we start putting some respect on the Nigerian nightmare's name, Kamara Usman. I think not only will he win, he'll win across the board 50-45. He is one of the most dominant champions in UFC history. He is undefeated under that banner. He will remain and still UFC welterweight champion, Kamara Usman. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you, lads, especially you, Ross, because I'm liking the shirt. Uh, then, okay, then, UFC 259, lads, uh, for the Bantamweight title, Piotr Jan's taking on Aljamain Sterling. This is a great fight. Robbie, who do you have for this one? It's an awesome fight. I got to show my New York bias. I got to go with Aljamain Sterling. I do really think that he has the tools to win. The streak that he's been on, the tear that he's been on uh, is incredible. And I would love for that Corey Sandhagen rematch to happen because that first fight was that one round like blitz, kind of a berserker of a Brock Lesnar, uh, Goldberg. And now I want to see it again. I want to see that five round title fight between those two where they're duking it out. They're grappling. I think that would be incredible. Russ, what about yourself? Yeah. yeah, go. Uh, Robbie, just as probably you have loyalty to Aljo being from around your neck of the woods, we've got some loyalty to Piotr Jan. Uh, little do you probably know that Piotr Jan's boxing coach is an Irish man. And so he's called the, the Bung Crana uh, Bomber, and he is going to make sure Peter Jan's hands are vicious come fight night, UFC 259, March 6th, and still. I did not know that he had an Irish boxing coach. He was probably the only person at the at the at the Irish bar over in uh, Fort Island. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Joe, I just I love Piotr Jan striking, and that's nothing just blowing smoke up uh, John Boy's uh, technique, like his teaching. Uh, Piotr Jan has hands of stone. Uh, then also in the, for the women's world featherweight title, Amanda Nunes, arguably the goat, is taking on. Uh, sorry, she's taking on Anderson, Megan Anderson. Robbie, who's Megan Anderson is a huge supporter of Barstool. She is a huge supporter of My Mom's Basement. She's done a bunch with us via Twitch. I've played Call of Duty with her, so I know how much of an aggression she has on the battlefield. And I'm predicting she shocks the world. I'm predicting nobody sees it coming, but for some reason, maybe a man has food poisoning or something. She fights anyway. And Megan Anderson beats her, new champ. And uh, maybe she brings the title into Barcelona HQ. It'd be like the first time we got that women's featherweight title in the building. Loving the loyalty. Ross, what about yourself? I have to. I have to. Uh, listen, well, I told you, I'm not an analyst. I'm not a journalist. I'm a fan. That's what it is. <laughs> We're the same. We're absolutely yeah. the same. It has to be done. Uh, look, the lioness, I don't think she's going to under, underestimate Megan um, Anderson one bit. But I think just seeing how easily Holly Holm could dominate Megan um, Anderson in the grappling exchange. I think Amanda Nunes is a better grappler again. And I think she's going to be able to take her down and it'll either be a TKO or a submission win for Amanda Nunes and still the GOAT. By the way, Amanda Nunes is one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. So that is a, a tough one for me to declare loyalty on. I was at the Amanda Nunes Holly Holm fight and oh my God, what a finish that was. That's, I'm going to have to go for Amanda Nunes for this. Every, like I went against her at UFC 200. And ever since, I'm just like Team Amanda Nunes. Uh, lads, one of the most discussed fights coming up on March 6th, Israel Adesanya moving up for the low heavyweight title, become the champ champ, taking on Jan Blackovic. What are you expecting here, Robbie? Is it going to be like, is Jan going to shock the world or is it, is it going to be a new champ champ in town? I think new champ champ in town. I think Adesanya's striking is just so, so, so much more crisp than Blanchard's. Like, he, he has the. 
uh, I always call him Blanchwitz. Is it Blakovich? I'm well, yeah, yeah, bad Blakovich. I'm, I'm so bad with pronunciation. Um, I, I still, I still call uh, Stefan Bonner Stephen sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Boner. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no! Oh my God, Stephen Boner. Yeah, Stephen Boner. My favorite fight: Forrest Griffin versus Stephen Boner. Um, <laughs> She, yeah, I I just think Adesanya is going to be too fast for him. I think he's going to be too fast for him. I think he's going to knock him out probably. Uh, but I do know, you know, usually when those smaller champs jump up to the higher weight division, it is a tough challenge for him, right? Because we just saw Dillashaw or Dillash no Dillashaw moved move down. Dillashaw went down. Yeah. So wait, when so, people when when people move up, generally they're successful. Up, McGregor they was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's Adesanya. It's, it's definitely style bender. Definitely style bender. Do you think yeah, uh, Blakovich is going to think... touch the noose again before this fight? He's got it, right? Have you guys seen that yeah, story? Yeah, definitely. No? Like, oh, we got to, I, I thought you said, is he going to touch him, as in, like, touch him more? No, no, no. Like, no. This is a crazy story. I swear I'm not making it up. It's true. Blakovich discovered a dead body in the woods when he was a teenager, hanging. And, like, apparently in old folktale, they used to cut the rope off, and, like, the, the rope would be good luck which is messed up in and of itself. It's like one of those old messed up dark things. They left the rope there, but before every one of his fights, he goes back to the forest. He touches it for good luck. Before his last title fight, he did this. Maybe I've, ri- I've, written, a, I've written a blog about it on Barstool. And uh, he had a quote before his last fight where he's like, yeah, like I've brought the UFC production crew back to this forest a bunch. And, you know, they've just never included the footage. It's like, uh, yeah, I know they didn't include the footage, buddy. That's some dark shit. Yeah. yeah, maybe uh, some Logan Paul esque shit. Um, uh, I have not seen that, but uh, I don't think it's going to change my opinion. Uh, come fight night, uh, as we said, Henry Cejudo moved up, Conor McGregor moved up, Daniel Cormier moved up. They all went and won the belt, and I think we're going. And Amanda Nunes moved up Amanda as well. Nunes. Yeah, yeah. A four out of four. I, kn- I, knew was, I knew it was. I knew it was four out of four. One way or there, it was just like a USB. The- I had a 50-50 shot. I pick wrong every time. What's called? We're going for five in a row. Israel Adesanya, and I think he'll get the job done inside the five rounds. Uh, that's, uh, it's to, to, I love I love the the hype and staying on the hype train and like just believing in the hype. Like so, I'm going with Adesanya. I just love us because then we could eventually get a John Jones fight as well. I'm just all over exactly, that, right? mm. exactly. Right, lads, two more fights, right? Second last one, non-title fight. Leon Edwards taking in taking on Kazmat Shmaev on March 13th in the welterweight division. Winner of this could arguably, arguably fight for the title. Robbie, who are you taking for this one, man? Just like you said in the last one, I kind of like believing in the hype train right now. I know he come, he's come after McGregor a couple times, so he could be a future enemy in some way or another. But until then, I like the hype train. I like the I like imagining that this fight ends just like the last fight, where he goes out and like blitzes him in two seconds. We're like, oh my god, is he gonna fight next week now? Like, I like uh, the story of him fighting constantly, just wanting to get in the cage, calling everybody out. Uh, we they, we should they they should do like a tournament where they put like eight regional fighters in in the cage with him, and he has like eight fights in one night. That would be <laughs> that's what I want to see. So eight I'm gonna murders. go with uh, Chimaev. Exactly. <laughs> Ross, what about yourself? Uh, no, I'm gonna pick you up. Said here, I think Leon Rocky Edwards get the, get the job done. I think he's so good at disarming his opponents that uh, he'll be able to come out with a unanimous decision win. Right, right, lads. Close one though. It, it, the, like, I know we've had Leon on, and this is very, very, very hard to say, but, like, as I said, I love the hype train. I'm going to have to agree with Robbie just because he's uh, wearing matching color top himself. But, lads, last <laughs> but certainly not least, 
uh, Stipe Miocic is taking on Francis Ngannou for the second time for the World Heavyweight Championship on March 27th. We're going to end with this. Robbie, who do you have to become the, the baddest man on the planet? So I was lucky enough to be at the first encounter between these two gentlemen at UFC 220 in Boston. If you remember correctly, UFC fans that didn't see that, go back and watch the first round of this fight. The rest of the fight, you turn it off. It's rounds two through five. They're very boring. Stipe was able to neutralize him, line on top of him. But round one is one of the most entertaining rounds of heavyweight MMA I've ever seen in my life. These guys were swinging with bricks on their hands. It was like rock'em, sock'em robots. Some of the shots that Stipe withstood were insane. I think the Stipe Miocic we saw in the last fight against Cormier might have been the best Stipe we've ever seen. I know Ngannou's improved a lot. I know his cardio will be better for this, so I'm very excited for it to be a better fight than last time. Hopefully get round one type action in the whole fight but I got to go with Stipe still. I think uh, his overall game is still just good enough to neutralize Ngannou, but it's, it's heavyweight MMA and it's Francis Ngannou. So he could land one of those Overeem punches and we could have a new heavyweight champ like that. And then that sets up a a trilogy between those two. And like, who's going to be angry at that? John Jones. Basmo. True. true. John Jones. (laughs) Give me a timeout for once. So Rossi, who's going to leave the baddest man on the planet? I think it's going to be, uh, I think I have a similar answer to Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. You know what I mean? We need to start putting some respect on Steve Miocic's name. How many times is he going to walk into that octagon UFC heavyweight champion and the underdog? I think this is going to be the last time that, well, actually it won't be because when he fights Jones, he'll probably be the underdog too. But I think Steve Miocic is going to go in there and he's going to put on a performance that we'll all remember. And I think, and still, Steve Miocic, UFC heavyweight champion, the Croatian sensation Croatian sensation uh, lads I, as much as I'd love to see the poster of Francis Aganu and John Jones <laughs> I just think like Miocic looked unbelievable there last time Ross he looked the best best physique I've seen him in ever and uh, I just think he's going to get it done again but uh, lads before we wrap things up Robbie I have something to ask you right I'm going to put yep. you on the spot we were meant to get UFC Dublin for my birthday Ross what was it it was August 15th was it? Yeah, it was yeah. Till versus Whitaker. Till versus Whitaker. I'm obviously because oh, uh, great card too, damn. And obviously because that didn't happen because of coronavirus, obviously no one's fault. But you're gonna have to call in a favor today. Next time when he announces, he has to announce another bell to uh, UC Dublin. But you have to make sure to come over to Ireland as well, and we'll do this in studio next time. Oh How's my god, that would be amazing. I've so I've finally got a passport. Boom, passport, and I can come over to Ireland now. So I would absolutely love to be at the next Dublin event. If I could make that happen, I promise you I will be in studio. And the first round's on Boz. The first round's on me. <laughs> the first goodness. Well, there we go, everyone. You've heard it. We're holding Robbie to that. Uh, before, we, before we leave, Robbie, thanks a million for coming on. Everything you're doing is great. Us, us Irish fans, MMA fans, we're really enjoying the behind-the-scenes content. It's great. It's cool. We really love it. Hopefully one day we'll be in there. We'll be rubbing shoulders. Us too, and that that uh, seventy year old woman who was shouting out for GSP. But, uh, Ross, anything <laughs> else to say before we wrap things up? No, guys. Thanks a million for watching. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, and as always, stay energized. Stay energized. <laughs>